excited and thrilled to be sharing the word with you this morning. I just want to extend and say happy Mother's Day. Um, this is a, a, a very exciting season for Rachel and I as, you know, this is our first Mother's Day. Um, for Rachel, not me, obviously. But, um, but uh, it's, it's really cool to step into the season and it's been beautiful to see my wife turn into a mom. And I'm sure husbands, you've felt the same way. So thank you for your tender love and care. Uh, for the next generation. Um, I, uh, I am, we've been talking through a series called Authentic. Um, we'll, we'll get this going. Authentic. And we've talked through a number of things. Authentic faith and authentic living. Authentic relationships. And something that goes hand in hand with authentic relationships is authentic community. And that's what I want to share with you today, I want to talk with you through, is, is how do we as Christians live in authentic community, and what does that even look like? Before I get into that, I, I think it's important for us to highlight, if we're going to talk about authentic community, that this is actually a core value of something that we believe in our church, something that we strive to, to put emphasis on. And so I just thought, you know, I know not everybody every week is checking the website and like, what does Riverbend Church value? So, I mean, come on, we're not, it's okay. Um, so I want to share with you the core values of our church. And the first one is authentic community. Um, these are not in numerical order, but beauty and diversity, developing leaders intentionally and strategically, a radical openness to the activity of the Holy Spirit. You saw that this morning with prophecy here during worship. Every believer is a minister. These are the things that we value here at Riverbend Church, and we make decisions based on these values. There are, there are events and there are things that we do that are based on these because this is what's important to us. And so if we're talking about authentic community, meaning we want the real thing. Give us the real thing, right? If you want something authentic, Right, you, that means you want something real. That's, you want something true, something, something real. So me being an, an Italian, you know, growing up in a family where we pride ourselves in making Italian sauce, and, um, and uh, I know I'm making y'all hungry, but if, if I were to say, hey, let's, let's go get some authentic Italian food, I send you the address, you type it into your phone, you drive there, and you pull up to Olive Garden, you might be a little upset, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, because we want the real thing. The, I'm not going to lie, I love Olive Garden. Their breadsticks are chef's kiss. They're, they're, they're good. They're really good, but they have its place. If we're going to go to an authentic place, it's not going to be Olive Garden, just being, being honest with you. So, but we're looking for the real thing. And just to give you an idea of what we're talking about with community, I just pulled the Webster's Dictionary definition of community. is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, goals. It's stuff that we unite around, right? There's, there's communities based on activities and communities based on nationalities and communities based on sports, I mean, come on, I would be remiss to not show you a picture of a bunch of Browns fans. Um, uh, 
born and raised in Ohio, the Cleveland, I, I bleed brown and orange. I mean, it's just we're taught to be Browns fans. Um, but I also just figured I'd show you a picture of what misery looks like. So, um, so you get a picture of, of, of all of that. But I recently was gifted an opportunity to go watch the Browns play at, um, at FedEx Field, and it was awesome. But it was so different because I was so used to watching the Browns play. Rach and I, this picture was taken um, when um, Rach and I got to go to see a game in Cleveland. And it's so different because when you're watching at a separate stadium, you're not surrounded by people who, who, like, who, who love the Browns as much as I do. But when I'm in Cleveland, oh, it doesn't matter what happens. We're high-fiving. I don't know this person next to me, but we're high-fiving. We're having a good time because there's something that unites us together. And so when we look at Christian community, what is it that holds us together? What is it that ties us together? What is it that makes it authentic? And I would say, without a shadow of a doubt, that authentic community is rooted deeply in Christ. Without it, you're not going to find anything authentic. Without having Christ at the root of any form of community, it is not, it's not authentic. You you have to have Christ at the center. Unfortunately, there's plenty of churches that, that we see and that, you know, this is a way that we can judge, you know, is our community authentic? Is Christ being glorified? Is Christ being the one that we're here for? Is Christ the one that, that we want to strive to become? This is, this is the beauty of the church, is that if we're talking about the church as a whole, if we're talking about as, as a whole body of believers, it's beautiful because it is very diverse, right? Not, not every Christian speaks English. There's Christians in, in that, that go from different cultures, and, but there's one thing that unites us to, together, it's Christ. Christ is what holds us together and the reason why is because we all come to Jesus the same way. There's nobody that can hop a fence, can bribe the gatekeeper, nobody can, can earn enough money to pay their way in or, or work enough community service hours in order to gain salvation. No, the only way that you can find yourself in the kingdom of God and in the community of believers and receive adoption into the family of God is by believing that we are saved by grace through faith. It is faith in Jesus that brings you and unites us together, and not, but also repentance. Repenting from our sins, thinking differently, saying, God, I turn away from, from the things that I've done, and I'm looking more like you. I love this passage of Scripture in Galatians 3.28. It says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no uh, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, this is what unifies us together. Beyond race, Jew nor Greek. Beyond status, slave nor free. Or gender, male and female. We are all welcomed in to the body of Christ. So, when we look at Scripture, 
what, is it, what does authentic community look like? What is, what, is it, what, what is our example? And I don't think there's a better place for us to go to than Acts 2. I think Acts 2 is the best example of what community looks like. So we're going to open up to Acts 2, 42 through 47. But before we get there and as you're turning to Acts 2, 42 through 47, I want to give you a little bit of context, okay? So Acts 1, Jesus ascends into heaven and he tells the disciples, I need you to wait in Jerusalem. I need you to wait in Jerusalem to receive the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 2, what we find is that the disciples are obeying the command and they are waiting and waiting and waiting to receive the Holy Spirit. But God's promises are always true, aren't they? Because the Holy Spirit shows up. And the Holy Spirit shows up in wind. Uh, a, a mighty rushing wind comes in and, and fire comes down on, on their heads and they start speaking in a bunch of languages. And the only reason we know this is because Pentecost is a Jewish holiday where people would come into Jerusalem from all over the place so they knew different languages. So they're hearing these people who don't know these languages speaking in these languages. And they're like, what is happening? Guys, maybe you're used to this, like Acts 2. Acts 2 is wild. It's, it's crazy to think about. Like, put yourself in that scenario. Man, I would love to be there. I would love, I would love to experience this. Like it would have been so cool to see. Because some people are like, whoa, this is so cool. And then some are like, wow, somebody's been sipping the wine. <laughs> and somebody's been having a good time. And then Peter steps out. And Peter's like, uh, no, it's, it's, it's too early for wine. No, this is the Holy Spirit. And what he does is he delivers a powerful gospel message in love and truth. And even to the place where he because he's talking about Jewish people here. These are, this is a Jewish audience. He says, you killed this man. And then I think this is so beautiful how Peter quotes three Old Testament passages of Scripture to show that Jesus is the Messiah. And I think this goes along really well with what we've been doing as a church, which is memorizing Scripture. And so in April... We memorized Hebrews 4.12, which is, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. Do you know what happened? Is that they said that the people were listening were cut to the heart. There's something about the word of God when it's spoken, when it's preached, that it cuts. It cuts us deeply. Because their response after this is, what then shall I do? What can I do? Where do I go? How do I get this? How do I receive the Holy Spirit? But also, how do I receive this forgiveness of my sins? And Peter's response is simply this. Repent and be baptized. And what's beautiful is that we see 3,000 people were added to the kingdom of God that day. So we get into authentic community here in Acts 2, 42 through 47. And it starts with this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship 
and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And in each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This worked. <laughs> this worked. How do you know it worked? Is because people were looking at their lives and they said, I'm missing something and this is what I need. This is the power of authentic community. This is what is beautiful about getting into a, a place of devoted, Christ-loving people. Because be, being around like-minded, Christ-loving people pushes us beyond the emotion to real, rooted relationships with Christ and with others. You see, Acts 2 was not just a, an evangelical or evangelistic campaign. It was evangelism, community. Getting 3,000 people into community to grow together, to strengthen one another, you see, as Christians, we need each other. There's, there's, no, there's no wavering on this. We need each other. There's two things that I want to point out, and then um, from there we're, we're going to talk through some, um, some things that the Lord has put on my heart regarding community. The first one is if you read at the beginning, all the believers devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, communion, and prayer. This word devoted appears six times in the book of Acts. And what it means is it persisting obstinately in. It promotes this idea of standing firm, not moving. Which means if they were devoted towards the apostles' teaching, towards fellowship, towards communion, and towards prayer, it meant that anything else that was planned or anything else in their life had to move to the side because this was stationary. You see, they had a value for learning together, growing together, taking communion together, praying together. You see, if we want to value, if we value authentic community, we have to make space for it. If authentic community is important to you, then there's got to be space made to be in community. It doesn't just happen. It takes intentionality. It takes showing up. It takes being a part of people's lives. It takes us. The second thing that, I, that, that really stood out to me is, is something that I really just want to encourage you. This is, this is just something that, that I feel like our church has embodied in authentic community, and it's generosity. Um, and so I, I want to encourage you with the story. Um, I've been here for, for about seven years and been able to serve our students and I've gotten to see a lot of people do very generous things. Seen a lot of um, camps be paid for and, and, and I've seen even recently amazing things where I'm just blown away at, at God's faithfulness. But I wanted to share with you a story of what happened last year. Um, so I, uh, I got a, a uh, Instagram message, a direct message or a DM from a, uh, a, a student in youth ministry, and she said, hey, Pastor Josh, 
I think it would be really awesome if we did a Bush Gardens trip this year. And I thought, hey, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Let's do it. So I budgeted, I planned, I announced it, and I'm, I'm like, man, I want to make this thing affordable. So, you know, we charged about $75 per, per kid. Now, some kids obviously had season passes, and all. you don't need the details. I'm a detail-oriented person. Um, but, but what happened was pretty amazing, is that at, a week after I announced it, uh, somebody comes up and and hands me a $400 check and says, I want to pay for any expenses um, f- for travel to get up to uh, Bush Gardens. And then a week later, a, a young couple in our church, well, a young couple that was visiting, approached me and said, we really felt like the Lord wanted, we, we wanted to send some people to Bush Gardens. And so I'm thinking, oh, well, that's so sweet. You know, I'm thinking like, you know, 50 bucks or something. No, it was a $500 check. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you're trying to say something. Like, this is important. And then a week later, I have somebody else come up to me and say, hey, Pastor Josh, ah, I just want to pay for the rest of the trip. What, what, what does it cost? And so this is a picture of, of our crew that got to go to Bush Gardens for virtually nothing. And this is the generosity of our church. And I just want to encourage you, thank you for sowing seeds into the body of Christ. I know Bush Gardens is not spiritual, but I can tell you it filled the need. <laughs> These kids were trapped for two years during COVID and for an opportunity to not see anybody wearing masks, but to be able to just go have fun, minister to so many souls. We had a, a student that came last week to youth group and she said, man, Bush Gardens was such a great trip. Guys, like we've seen not only just this, but man, meals being provided and and listening ears for people that are struggling. Like, guys, we're living this authentic community. Thank you for being generous. So, what does it look like for us to live within authentic community? How do we treat each other? How do we love one another? How do we treat the, the people around us? We've got the system. You know, the apostles' teaching, we've got um, fellowship, communion, like we've got, a, we've got a, an overarching system of how authentic community happens, but we have to remember that we're broken people, that there's some people that are just created more bold and, and stra- straightforward with their words, and there's some people that are not. And so how do we, as a body of Christ, as diverse as we are, get along with one another, and so what I want to do is take the next, however much time I got left, because um, I'm great at reading a clock, and, uh, and I just want to share with you what I'm calling the one another's. As I was reading through scripture, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really cool to see how many one another's are throughout scripture. The apostles, the, 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 the writers of the New Testament were very clear about how we as Christians should treat other Christians. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about people that confess and say Jesus is the Lord of their life. How do you treat that person? I don't think we talk about this enough. And I think it's something that we need. As a body, if we want authentic community, it only happens when we love and take care of one another. So the first one another is this one. Love one another. 
when I was preparing for this message, I just felt like the Lord was really clear with me. I'm like, Lord, what do you want to say? And he's like, love one another. And so the, we, we might only get through this one. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, but love one another. I believe that this is a foundational principle for any of the other one another's. Anything else that I say, if you don't have love, it's not going to work. If you're not doing it, working through love, it, it, it's going to fail, it's going to fold. Because God is love. That's who he is. And if our community is centered on Christ, then our community is centered on love. So where I want to read from, and where this passage comes from, actually just everywhere in the New Testament, but, but John 13, 34 through 35 this is what I like to call the, some of Jesus' last words. You know, so Passover is happening. Right before this passage, directly before, Judas is found out as the one who's going to betray Jesus. And then after Judas leaves, Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What do you think Jesus is trying to say here? <laughs> Two sentences, he says it three times. Love one another. If this is some of Jesus' last words, I would say that it's pretty important. So two things I want to point out from this passage. The first was, loving others was, not, was nothing new. This, when he says, the new commandment I give to you, loving others was, was nothing new. If you look at the Old Testament, the commandment for, the, for these people were to love God and to love others, right? But what was new, a new commandment that Jesus was saying was, I want you to love differently. The way I want you to love is going to look different than how other people might love. And it says, just as I have loved you, if you read just a couple of verses before that, now of course I think Jesus is, is, is reflecting on his, the whole ministry with his disciples, but if we're looking for an immediate example, we find that Jesus, their rabbi, got on his knees, put put a towel around his waist, and he washed his disciples' feet. Jesus was setting an example. And he told them, he said, he said that no servant is greater than their master. Meaning, if their master, Jesus, is willing to humble himself, honor and serve another, you're to do the same. And might I add that it's, it's very viable to believe that Jesus also washed Judas's feet. So loving one another isn't always easy. But it's still a commandment. We're still called to do it. There's some people in your life that are extra grace required. Right? <laughs> right? But it doesn't mean that you can't, you, ha you have to love them can't just go gossip behind their back and say, I can't believe how terrible. And No, we have to love. The Lord's working on my heart just as everybody else. 
The second thing is, is this. He says, all people will know you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. I love that the focus here is on the disciples. It's not on the world. If you read John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right? We know that God loves the world. God loves the lost. He cares deeply about the lost. Matthew 28.19, the Great Commission, right? Go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we must remember, we cannot forget that loving our own brothers and sisters goes hand in hand with winning the lost. Could you imagine bringing people into the family of God when the family of God is at each other's throats? We can't do that. Why? Because we're called to love one another. And unfortunately, I'm sure there's plenty of people that have experienced within the body of Christ this not being seen. And I love that John doubles down on this in 1 John 4, 19 through 20. He says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, like, yeah, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. Those are harsh words. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And I wonder if if John is looking back in his memory and, and being reminded of the moment that he was in the upper room and Jesus saying, love one another. And he's instructing his disciples to love one another. We are called to love one another. And it's emphasized everywhere else. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in love. 1 Peter 4.8 says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. And I love even we've got examples in church history about this. In the early third century, there's a, a, an early church father, his name is Tertullian, who f- spent a lot of time fighting against heresies. He, he said, oh, we're going fast. So he said this, it is mainly the deeds of a, of a love so noble that lead many to put a brand upon us. See, they say, how they love one another. See how they are ready to even die for one another. These are people that we're talking about early, the early church. Culture was so polarizing different that the people, Christians, looked totally different. And they loved one another. You know, the the culture of that time was building my own brand and building myself up and, and how much honor can I get. But the Christians were not that way. They were willing to even die for for their brothers and sisters. You know, this is my heart, too, that as as a church, you know, and I think that we're we're not perfect at Riverbend, but I feel like we're striving to be this, is that when people walk through our doors, they say, wow, I want what they have because they love one another. They care about one another. So what does love look like? 
Like, it's easy for me to just get up here and be like, yeah, you, you, we need the love. Like, let's just love other people. But like, what does that actually look like? We could take a whole series and talk about this. But I want to keep it very practical with you. I want to share with you, what does it look like to love one another? This is uh, what some people call the wedding passage because it seems to be only read at weddings. <laughs> but, but I would say that it was meant for everyday living. And a matter of fact, I, I, Paul is writing this to the church. Right before this, he's talking about how do we work with prophetic giftings. And he says, beyond all the prophetic giftings, this is the most important thing. And so... How do we love one another? Well, let's read this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It, it isn't proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and then it says, love never fails. We can measure ourselves up to the word of God. We can measure ourselves. We can hold up the word of God and hold up our life and reflect and say, okay, Lord, what, what kind of love am I giving to the people around me? What kind of love am I showing? Is my, is my love patient? Is it kind? Does it serve others? Is it honoring? Does it show humility? Is my, is my love rejoicing with the truth? Or is it delighting in evil? Can I forgive? See, we can't do any of this by our own will. You can try and do all this, but I can guarantee you, you will fail. You see, I love when a writer in the New Testament says, it is no longer I who live but Christ lives within me. It's Christ in you through the Holy Spirit that give us the power to, to live these out, to love one another. If we're growing closer to Christ, this is a byproduct of what it looks like. We love one another. There's a famous hymn that I was reflecting on when I was, when I was studying this week, and it's called, They Will Know We Are Christians By Our Love. And I'm just going to read it for you. It says this, We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. And they will know we are Christians by our love. By our love. Yes, they will know we are Christians by our love. Let's continue as a church to be marked as a church of those people love one another. The second thing that I quickly want to share with you is, is this, to encourage one another. This comes out of Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, and it says this, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Yeah, Pastor Michael, awesome. I'm a, I'm a youth pastor, so I use objects to teach sometimes. Anybody love peanut butter? Who loves? 
Who loves peanut butter? Yeah, peanut butter is awesome. I, I have peanut butter and jelly probably too much. I'm a child at heart. Um, but you can tell the difference between cheap peanut butter and quality peanut butter, right? Now, I'm not paid by Kroger. Um, a matter of fact, I pay Kroger a lot of money. Uh, but I will say that this is a, a fairly cheap and it's actually pretty good. Um, but, but what you'll notice about a good quality peanut butter is that, one, you look at, at, the, at the ingredients and it literally just says roasted peanuts, salt. Yeah, that's authentic. That's the real thing. <laughs> but what the, the key contributor to what we see is that, is that authentic, good peanut butter has oil at the top because it's sat for a while, right? Yeah, it's got oil at the top, and then generally at the bottom, there's like clumps of peanut butter because all the oil has risen to the top, and so it's, you know, you're getting a nice science lesson today. You didn't, you didn't know that you are going to get that this morning. But I, I love the, the directions on the top of this. It says, stir and refrigerate for optimum quality. Um, there's people in our church, apparently, I've had conversations with that have strong opinions about refrigerated peanut butter. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, okay. It's okay, bud. You can put it in the fridge. It'll be okay. Yeah, see, Pastor Michael's one of them. But the emphasis I want to put on is stir for optimum quality. And as Christians, you know, like if, if we want to live in optimum quality, we all need to be stirred. When it says, let us consider how to stir up one another, we all need to be stirred. Do you know why we need to be stirred? Because it is natural for us to settle. It is natural for us to drift, to fall away. If you're not in community, I can guarantee you the enemy will get you. you know, and as, as a millennial, I see a lot of, a lot of friends and, and people that I follow on Facebook and Instagram as falling away from, from the faith. And the, the two things that I question in my head is, first, what community are you around right now? And was the community around you before, did they love one another? Because those two are telltale signs. Because we are called to encourage one another. To stir up one another. To keep each other accountable. To follow Christ. Because this world is, is way too mean. And it's way too enticing. But I can tell you that we can find truth. We can find love when we encourage one another. How can we do this in our life? You know, maybe, maybe you're like, man, nobody ever encourages me. Well, how about we start encouraging one another? And I can guarantee you, you'll get, some, you'll get some encouragement back. Just start encouraging. How does that look? But ask the Lord. The Lord speaks to us today. Ask the Lord. Lord, who's it on your heart today that I want, that you need me to reach out to? Is there somebody that just needs, needs a personal touch today? Just send them a text. Hey, I was thinking of you today, and how can I pray for you? This is how we keep each other accountable. This is how we encourage one another. At second service, so you come here every week, and you don't see somebody for three or four weeks. Send them a text and say, man, I miss you. I haven't seen you in a little while. How are you doing? How's life? How can I serve you? Do you want to go get coffee soon? 
Guys, this is, this is called being intentional. This is called encouraging. Because I can guarantee you, if you were on the receiving end of one of those texts, your motive would be to love and to do good works just as well. We are called to encourage one another. The last one that I'm quickly going to share with you, even though that we're short on time, I really feel like I, I need to share it with you, is this one. Forgive one another. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The last couple of years, the Lord's been highlighting this to me more and more. I was, um, I was sitting over in that right wing when Pastor Bobby was talking about the Lord's Prayer. Do you know what at the, the end of the Lord's Prayer says, if you do not forgive, the Lord will not forgive you. That's pretty scary, isn't it? That's a pretty, pretty strong statement. It's because unforgiveness will destroy a community. Because unforgiveness breeds bitterness, and bitterness breeds hate, and hate is not welcome in the kingdom of God. And I know that I can't just come up here and say, yeah, well, just forgive. Because I'm, I'm not naive. I know that forgiveness is not always easy. It's difficult to forgive. When somebody hurts you, and I know that there's, we all carry some kind of hurt, but sometimes it's a day-to-day forgiveness. It's starting the process of forgiveness. You might say, you don't know what I've been through. I, I know, but, but what has Christ been through for you and for us? And so, so for us, how do we walk in forgiveness? It's an everyday, sometimes a moment by moment. It's, it's a moment of when you start thinking, I cannot believe that that person did that to me. Lord, you forgave me, so I forgive them. Two minutes later, I cannot believe that they... It's real, right? I've been there, and I've had to coach myself and say, but Lord, as you forgive me, I forgive others. And so, as Christians, we are called to be radical forgivers. We are called to love one another, and by loving, we encourage, and by loving, we forgive. And for, for your study this week, if you want to look at the other one another's, go look at them. Honor one another. Bear one another's burdens. Serve one another. Speaking truth to one another. And there's more than this. The, the Bible has a lot to say about how we as Christians interact with other Christians. And my heart is... You know, as, as this church, as we continue to live this out, as we continue to walk in authentic community, that we would be rooted and grounded in the love of God and the love of others. Prayer teams, could you come up to the front? Can anybody resonate with any of this this morning? Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm not up here pretending like I'm perfect, I'm not. But we, as, as a body of believers, it takes all of us. If we want to grow and engage in community, it takes, it takes each and every single one of us. So let me pray over you, and then I'll ask Pastor Bobby to come up and give a blessing. God, I just thank you that you 
created by your design community. This was your design. You created us to uh, desire belonging. And so, Lord, as Christians, we have a responsibility to love you and to love others. And so, God, would you empower us to do so? God, even in the toughest moments, even in the moments of, of intense trial and pain, Lord, would you surround us with other people to pray with, to be encouraged with. And Lord, would you help us to love our brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Robbie. Isn't that a powerful word? Amen. How many of you can say this morning, uh, authentic community? I, gra- I got it now. I grasp it. Lord, sign me up. How many of you would say that this morning? Amen. Praise God. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I'm going to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. Mothers who are present, we have a small little gift for you as you leave. So as you leave the the doors, there will be a a single flower for you to take, just so you know how much we love you. All right? So let me bless all of you as we prepare to leave today. Today I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I bless you with spiritual vitality. I bless you with physical, emotional, and spiritual strength. I bless you today with physical healing and restoration. I bless you today with the courage to stand for your convictions. I bless you today to be powerful witnesses this week. To let the word of God dwell richly in you and be ready at any moment to share the good news with others. I bless you today as the children of God in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Please, if you need prayer this morning, please come and allow one of these prayer teams to minister to you. God bless you.